Hi, I'm Felix O'Connor. Hi, my name is Red Zayner. And this is Neopets, the podcast. Neopets is a collaboration between the two of us that is focused on internet culture and criticism, really anything that has to do with the digital sphere and abolition. And today we're going to be talking about memes, circulation, maybe a little bit of abolition, but definitely we're going to talk about logging off. Definitely going to talk about logging off because internet drama wouldn't happen if people just logged the fuck off. I think about this in relation to COVID and the beginning when everyone was online and trying to form intimate internet communities. And now it's coming to the fact that these internet communities can't hold the nuances and complexities of like real life like situations such as abuse and harm yeah people i mean people have been trying since the dawn of the internet to create community on the internet and well i'm not going to like discount the fact that it can happen and it does happen it's not the internet is not equipped to create the kinds of communities that are connected and engaged enough with one another to deal with really complicated issues such as abuse and harm and nuanced conversation. Yeah, and especially in terms of the way that we stand people or the way that we circulate content of someone who has been harmed. I think about that especially on Instagram, it gets so easy to repost something that we don't know who the account is. So it's just like, oh, this looks really nice. I'm going to repost it because I saw someone else reposted that I know I vetted, but it doesn't necessarily the person I reshared from vetted that person. So now we kind of have this instance of a very, very popular TikTok user whose content has been circulated, but has done a great amount of harm. And how do you think about that? And I think about that a lot. What does the circulation does, especially within local organizations or organizing that we do? Since we both do that. Yeah, I mean, these kinds of things can they keep happening and they keep happening in the same way on the internet. I think that if anything, like the conversations that are had surrounding abuse and accountability and how all of these things play out on the internet really just is a prime example of the fact that there is no one-size-fits-all version of accountability. None of this is like easy or it's messy and the internet yeah. makes it messier. Yeah, that's true. And I think mainly with the messy, I think the internet tries to sell us a packaged idea of people. So that we're perfect. If you're not perfect, then you need to be canceled. And it's true that deplatform, I think about canceling is not deplatforming. Deplatforming is its own right and accountability and consequences. But canceling is so vague that it doesn't necessarily make sense in accountability because of the fact that it's not truly action steps towards appropriately handling harm or ensuring the victim being taken care of or in places of healing and also thinking about reparative justice in the the sense that paying back for the harm that you've done. Canceling is just so vague that you lose all of that. So it's just like people are like, oh, I can't share about anything I've done in the past because 
that would make me messy and not perfect and I want to be literally clout famous yeah also just like the internet doesn't allow for messy especially because the internet is an aesthetics and especially i guess not the internet as a whole but specifically social media is like an aesthetics based thing that like literally down to aesthetics of these things messy is not allowed it's kind of like a half-cooked thought but it's out <laughs> in the universe I think that's perfectly fine. But yeah, I think in terms of that, and then you think about memes. So when we think about memes, they're these half-finished projects or finished thoughts that kind of like are just pushed out in circulation very fast, which has its really bad benefits in terms of these complex conversations, especially in terms of the Breonna Taylor memes and also the Elijah memes as well, in terms of respectability and also in terms of consumption. I'm like, you know, one side memes have a shared community of humor, but then again, memes of themselves are built on consumption and ideas of police brutality and other forms of harm or sexual assault should not become memes across the board. Regardless of what your intentions are, turning something really fucking serious and not funny at all into a format that is meant to be funny be a form of humor it's not going it's not going to work out in a way that is respectable it's just not okay yeah and like going back to what you said like the format of the meme itself is to be humorous so most of the act the idea behind these memes is to make people active or do some sort of action in response to anti-black violence but really in themselves memes kind of uh, become anti-black in a sense that they don't really, they kind of get close to proximities of um, non-black people uh, that can sit with a Breonna Taylor meme and also just the idea of uh, all these cops should be put into jails, but not really reconciling the fact that their own anti-blackness kind of informs the world and their relationships with black people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to, I don't want to derail this conversation. Mm -hmm. We like definitely can come back to specifically anti-blackness and like memes about like Breonna Taylor's death, etc. But yeah, I think this is relevant is a meme it's the meme that I sent you last night, but I'll, I'll read it out loud. You think memes are stupid? Well, guess what? Ignorant people don't read articles. You have to trick them into learning important information by planting seeds of truth in their minds. And that makes a meme one of the most effective tools in the history of activism. Jeez. Um. Which is, the, that text is positioned over to two different frames of Ron Swanson's character from Parks and Recreation, which is a, a whole fucking other thing. But just taking the content of the meme itself and the like message of the meme itself here being meme, just the sentence, a meme is one of the most effective tools in the history of activism makes my brain hurt a little bit. Yeah, I think it's a overstatement. Holy. And also, <laughs> yeah, it's an overstatement. Um, 
yeah it breaks my brain too because it's just there's so much things and where we had this conversation beforehand with anti-blackness but also just like this idea of what is a meme and I think even more importantly what is the lifetime of a meme which we have done research about privately between the two of us and we have found that most meme cycles are about one week so that goes to shows how I think back to Tumblr how once people became more accustomed to online communities the way that our attention or what people refer to the attention economy I mean I think to Tumblr specifically to one post where it's talking about an animation which was created early on in the animation time sometimes in the 1990s and the way that we see animations now is so much faster so when we look to that animation from the 1990s where people used to put sexual innuendos inside of them we can see those because of the fact that we our eyesight and our brains can faster information so much faster so going back to this idea of what is a meme in the life cycle which is one week our brains have literally been reshaped to basically take in information so much faster that we digested within a week i mean the saying's been around for a long time, but it is really one ear, like in one ear and out the other, in one eye and out the uh, whatever. But yeah, well, and that's just also thinking about the life cycle of a meme as being about one week, and then thinking about this meme that's talking about how because people don't want to read and whatever memes are such an important tool of activism and but if the most important tool of activism is something that you're going to see and then forget about one week later that's just mm-hmm. like that is the neoliberal sort of i care about this thing until it's not cool to care about it that is like just literally the turning years and years of activism into into trends into memes yeah and i think to the one week and that if latin's activism like the timeline or our perception of time which i find is interesting in relation to our current moment of um riots and uh organizing and uprisings how the pace is very ableist and I think in terms of accountability and um, online communities how do we make those not only safe but also ensuring that everyone gets to be a part of this you know not ableist and centering survivors and especially disabled people since at the end of the day you know most of the people being harmed are trans people of color and especially disabled trans people of color, especially black trans people. So disabled black trans people. So it's that conversation I think that gets swept is how ableist this all is too. Yeah, and also especially with all of the conversation not they're not they're not conversations. That's that's the thing, is that all of the posts and in part, even some of the resources being, like, shared and circulated around, talking about, you know, abolition, 
or even, or even just defunding the police as an entryway to abolition or transforming justice or any of these sorts of things that are slow work mm. and mm -hmm. turning them into something that is being circulated in a way that it's so fast and in your face and but aestheticized or like circulated like a meme in a way that you know it is something that is falling out of attention after a week and how yeah how the revolution cannot be memefied like all of these things all involve slow work and that goes back to covid when i think especially to us how we kind of were expressing this idea of slow work um and it feels like ever since things became online this idea of urgency of pace has never slowed down it kind of just became more chaotic <laughs> yeah like the whole yeah, I, not the whole world in a technical sense but shit came to a stop a lot of people their lives suddenly came to a stop except for mine right I, that's right it's like not everyone but for context i have been working <laughs> since covid in the grocery store it only has set up not slow down yeah because i was just saying how much people ask of like people's labor at this time and you know i think we talked about this a little bit earlier before this podcast but the ideas of boundaries i think are really diminishing at this point too i mean that's what we've talked about before in in the talk that we did was that a month ago wasn't whatever I think it was in May but about how the way that the internet exists and how we interact with it doesn't allows for like an erosion of boundaries hmm. what do you mean by that the way that we sort of talked about it before was just in the context of digital autonomy and how there are so many and this was specifically sort of like terms and conditions and the ways that in order to use the internet you sort of have to agree to things that you don't necessarily agree to or are put into a place of visibility in ways that you don't necessarily want and this is why i think people should log off but just the way that the internet and especially social media is sort of always on and always present and how your digital self blurs in with your actual embodied self and people have really bad boundaries around the internet and especially like right now when so much is happening and so much information is being shared all of the time. There's this sort of drive to always be on the internet and paying attention to what's happening. Also seeing memes that are like, if you have gone back to normal, or if you're not posting about the Black Lives Matter movement or what's happening in the world right now. Then you're just annoying. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot about just how 
reposting and resharing things and recirculating information doesn't mean that anyone who's looking at that information either hasn't already seen it reposted to a bunch of other people's Instagram mm -hmm. stories or other forms of social media, but also circulation is not education. Yeah, I think that's true. Like circulation is an education. Also circulation doesn't necessarily mean you're doing anything. I think Yeah. Doing like doing and acting has been really conflated with what you can do within these times and I think people are getting doing like this idea of doing or action really close with the visibility of doing something. Oh, as long as you see me do this thing, then I'm validated as doing my duty. But most of the work that has been done has been invisible work. So it's just really interesting that I saw today, <laughs> this is so funny, I saw today a non-black person was speaking about uh, posting, so they posted this very, I don't also don't want to get too obsessed, but also it's just, you know, things happen, I just follow people, um, they just posted uh, some nature pics, because they're just out in nature, and then they deleted it, and then they went, and, and then they posted about how they they kind of use an ableist term that I don't really agree with, um, and I'm not going to repeat it because I don't care to, but essentially that what they posted wasn't really in line with the current times and as well as them having fun, not fun, but like having, being at peace could be seen as a microaggression, and at that point, I was just like, lock off, like, Log the fuck off. Like, number one, you can go out and be in nature without posting about it. That's true. Like, I don't, that's the thing. Like, you can also post it on your uh, close friend stories. And it's just like, no one, I don't care. The reason why you got DMs asking about it is because they ask people if this is like good or bad. And it's also just like, at this point, I cannot stand, especially non black people can't stand when they don't critically just think and have a decision for themselves and I believe a lot of black organizers or people who are, are just like in the arts are getting tired of this because it's just putting random black people to the front who oftentimes are homophobic or transphobic or oftentimes inciting more harm than good are not really being vetted to the front because of the fact a lot of non-black people are like not thinking critically of their actions or what they're doing and if they are okay with sitting with the critique that's going to come to them so I'm just like getting to the fact that what's happening online has its repercussions on in person because of the fact there's not a lot of critical awareness or really accepting of the choices you make and or the way going to being held accountable online or really sitting with your choices that you've done, especially public facing choices. And I think, yes, the internet cannot hold these like nuanced conversations of accountability, but I think some people just don't know how to hold accountability in public. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the larger conversation here is that, oh, a lot of people don't know how to do accountability, regardless of conversations on the internet or not. Like, 
you're bad at it online, but you're bad at it offline because it's fucking complicated and you have to like actively put work into like learning how to be accountable. Yeah, that goes back to what you were saying about activism as like lifetimes of work and like how the meme disrupts that and making it a trendy or one week kind of situation. And I think we have multiple conversations about idea of work and labor and slow pace. So I think this idea of slow pace would help a lot of people out with this idea of like what is accountability and how it is actually felt because you would actually have to feel it and slow down, which is my kind of fear of what's going to happen into like the fall and winter time when a lot of people cannot go outside and it will be cold and all these other things. Um, And the pace of actions will definitely change but I don't think people can really envision this moment sustaining into those months which I am afraid of too yeah and I also this is like a semi-tangent I guess but just thinking about okay the fall and the winter are gonna come eventually or even like before then actions are going to stop. There have been like a full month of actions happening every day, which is a really amazing thing on the surface. But it's also really important to question what is the point? Within the past month, a lot of people who have never really organized an action have been moved to do so, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And I guess I'm speaking to some things that I've seen on the internet, but also that have been happening like around here where I'm at, where what is an action that is mostly white people standing around and yelling? It's like old man yells at cloud. Old man yells at cloud. (laughs) That's like my beef with people organizing in white gentrified neighborhoods. I mean, they already got like slave money do you think they're gonna give that up (laughs) no (laughs) just how do I think in terms of like redistribution can't say that word correctly but to the poor communities and where you're at and which is obviously where most of the black people live and how do you give attention to those uh, most vulnerable communities that oftentimes get whipped up into um, some dangerous rhetoric that isn't necessarily the political education that a lot of people want to push out. It's as if we're pushing political education to the same people that nod and already know what we're talking about, and also to those with the easier access to these resources. It's also, I mean, the thing is, is it's one thing to go to a protest, and it's another thing to actually commit yourself to being actively anti-racist and unlearning, like, learning and unlearning and, like, actually doing the work rather than just being, like, a one-and-done thing. And I feel like something that's bothered me that I've seen a lot is conversations about this moment and about the Black Lives Matter movement almost as if it's like a new thing. Mm, when, like it's a When literally like the Black Lives Matter movement started in yeah. 2014 and we did not see it on this scale, but there were definitely, you know, actions that happened for like, multiple days at a time across the country 
not to the scale at all, but still it happened. And then the protests ended. Or I, I wouldn't say ended, but shifted to towards more work that couldn't be seen. Well, um, that's I, that's what I was trying to say is that the like the act the protests ended, and then white people stopped giving a shit when there yeah, was for them to show up to. Yeah, but I don't think necessarily the actions ended, but I think the actions shifted towards more of, like, maybe the Black community that we didn't know of, but, like, certainly that's when the white people kind of dropped off their, like, oh, I'm out of here, <laughs> kind of plug. So it's like, yeah, I think that goes back to what you're saying when, when you see a lot of people not committing to this type of, like, anti-racist or even anti-Black work, and they just start going to a protest to take a selfie and post it on the internet because they want to be an Instagram influencer. Good job. Um, I hope you gain a follower today. Yeah, I think it's in part to what I think what's happening with the memes though, you know? <laughs> it's going to go back to the memes um, because the visibility of social media, what, what social media can offer to people being visibly, being back by the audience and the audience usually is predominantly black people because black people kind of create content on the internet that goes viral um, and that has been the case for the entirety of the internet um, and because of that the audience and the way content is created is based off of appropriation of blackness so that's why I feel a lot of people orinating themselves around this is because of the fact that content and culture is based off of blackness in and of itself and just so they can get brownie points but never really going to that learning or even being accountable to towards the way they've been like violent and not trying to learn this education but my deal is how can we make these education i don't know I don't know if it's accessible or like really just like sit with people because I think it's not only because of them, but also because of, you know, us as organizers and people of knowing of this information. So we know that this information isn't accessible and it's really just being handled by the few and not the masses. And I think it's a question of accessibility, but also of people's willingness to actually engage with it. So this is something that we've sort of been talking about in organizing or defunding the police is that number one, that it is going to be like slow work. It's been happening. People have been organizing around it. But also, it's not just going to be something that people can push for right now and then stop doing for things to actually change. So much of educating, you have to talk to people. Mm. You have to have conversations with people. You have to learn together. You have to like process and digest information. Learning is a process and it requires work and it's not just going to happen all at once. It's not just going to happen within a week's cycle. It is a, it's a long-term thing. And I think there's a lot of people that aren't willing to do that. Yeah, I think being committed and ideas of being able to handle that 
is to rat it like really like sit with the fact that when you start entering this type of work everything that you know you know you are complicit in it and you are a problem within it because of the way the world is structured and I think a lot of people can't handle having that kind of world shattering because then it's as if their whole entire world is like really constructed around that there are good people doing okay but all of a sudden they're not because they they've been fed this like fairy tale that's awful it's just funny because it just goes back to like the revolution won't be memified kind of take and it sells that the way that our relationships with memes have evolved from oh memes are really cool and great and perfect like not perfect but like pretty tight and now we're just like oh memes are kind of bad (laughs) my first experience with memes was being like seven years old maybe on the desktop computer at home going on to icanhascheeseburger.com and making cat memes (laughs) lol cat memes yeah so it's just like bring them back i don't think it can ever go back because Memes don't have words. They actually are like little mutations of themselves. They don't, and also they don't exactly die either. They just are in between of like being known and present and then this kind of like in between of absence and never like being super present. But I think in general, the, meme, the revolution won't be memeified. I think it is empowering. I think, especially at my time when I was like in 2012 or 13 and thinking about the Trayvon Martin and Ferguson, I remember like watching the news and it's just like, it was heartbreaking and it was very angry and having conversations with my family about all of that. And it was like seeing things on the internet, but not the scale of it as it is now and how all the political rhetoric has kind of grown up until now in 2020 and with political memes being a real important thing and even a money-making like business is just kind of dangerous how we think that this actually is a way to promote what we're doing when it actually may not be it. I can't tell the future if it is or not because we would have to see. Yeah, also just something that I think about or that I was reminded of like not that long ago when I was deleting pictures off my computer. I had a bunch of pictures on my computer that people had like posted during Ferguson and it was because people were talking about like save these pictures, going to like take them down, going to try and cover up this moment and thinking about how how that wasn't the case and these images like they're still on the internet and they're still circulating but how that circulation has changed. Hmm. Yeah, because the same sites didn't exist as they do now. It's like different pathways. But I think in general, that just goes to show that maybe everyone should log off. (laughs) And especially when you were doing, when actions and organizing 
it's becoming real evident that surveillance culture and security needs to be taken seriously and that it's important to not take pictures of people, not to post on the internet that you're going to an action. That's all of this idea of the internet, like being in community of like doing these things is dangerous and not to post them and maybe even to turn off your phone and not even bring your phone with you. The internet is not your friend within actions and public actions and how that also needs to be applied to maybe some of the ways we hold, I don't know about accountability because so much of accountability is shrouded in invasiveness that I do like having things be being talked about. But I think what's happening too is that I don't think everyone's to the point of having ideas of accountability that ensures towards an abolition stance versus one that repeats a carceral state. Really, the internet is not equipped for that. And it really has to, all this does have to happen offline. Yeah, this stuff has to happen offline. We've talked about this before. The construction of the internet was built on ARPANET, like a US military system. The internet is not neutral. The internet is fully replicates colonialism but, and also cultural system. In its structure, there's not, the internet is not neutral. Logging off is neutral. But I think there's like some space. I don't even think that there, the idea of neutrality needs to exist. But I think there is. Yeah. There, I think there should be like spaces of duality that the internet cannot fully envision because of literally the way it's constructed you can only see one version of a situation and it doesn't lead to anything to be in multiplicity or duality or things that exist in one and one but yeah I think hopefully I don't know I think about that and I think about anti-blackness and memes and Brianna Taylor and all the other Black women and Black trans people that are just not even being this afforded the same respectable memoriam, but just this weird commodified version of support that is just capitalistic and sad. That's where memes reveal their true nature, that they're in pursuit of social visibility and clout and if you don't really stay vigilant or vet those names or if you don't really stand against it they cycle through and out of people until they just become objects memifying someone's death is fucked up but also just repeatedly circulating images of people who have died when you have no personal attachment to them also feels really weird yeah like even artists just making artwork in a way that's not really genuine to so not celebrating but to respecting black those uh two black people that have died and instead making commodified trauma for white people and it's a test of the definitely the spectacle which a lot of black writers and theorists went through, which is definitely Dr. Hurtine Spillers and Dr. Sadia Hartman. I think everyone should read, at least if you're a Black artist or anyone in general. Yeah, even though it's not just memes, 
it online I think you can't avoid the meme and the only scary part is that one day you could also become a meme but I think to end on a happier note that this podcast is being sponsored by our new corporate backing and it's called Logging Off. It will be linked in the description of this podcast. Everyone can go follow them. You just have to turn off your phone, uh, turn off your laptop, and not be online. Log off. Remember that you're a person. Other people are people. You're actually a whole person and so much more than your presence on the internet. you enjoyed hearing us talk about things and you'd like to continue hearing us talk about things or if you have specific things you would like us to talk about in mind you can send us an email at crushendo22 at gmail.com spelled C-R-U-S-H-E-N-D-O-2-2 at gmail.com. Or you can also follow us on our uh, Instagram, which is Neopet, and you can DM us there too. Neopet's spelled N-E-0 underscore underscore P-E-T-Z, I think. If not, it will also be in the description in the bio, following our sponsor, logging off. Until then, see us on the internet.